as we get ready, if you want to turn to uh, Exodus chapter 1, that's where we'll be starting out. Uh, got a joke to tell you. Um, heard it this morning, and it was about a guy who had, man, he had pretty much almost lost every bit of hearing. Everybody always had to holler real loud for him to be able to hear. And um, so he went, though, and, and treated himself to some super-duper hearing aids. He didn't let no one else know. He just went and got these super-duper hearing aids, and it got to where he could hear again. And so we went back to the doctor to get them dialed in for a second time and to see how they had been working. The doctor asked him and said, How are these working for you? Does all your family now enjoy not having to scream and holler? And he said, Well, I don't know how they're liking it. I didn't let them know, but I have changed my will three times. (laughs) Anyway, today is not only the first day of the week. It's a day that we come together to worship the Lord and praise Him for His goodness and His grace and His mercy that He's shown us. For these young ones over here, that's the church of the future. But also today it's Mother's Day and we start out our lesson this morning a little different in our story that we're going to talk today then. We're going to gear it that way. And I want to tell you about one mother that I heard about. Boy, we got a Good looking crowd coming through here today. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to all of you. But there was, uh, there was this, this guy, he came home from work. <laughs> and as he, was, as he was pulling into the neighborhood and up to the house, he just started looking and staring, his jaw dropped. Because his three kids, they're like seven, five, and three they're running around, the youngest one, and just a dighty running around all out there, you know. They've turned the hose on. The front yard is like a, a, a lake, a muddy swimming pool. Mud everywhere, just tearing his yard and his landscaping up. Boxes of crackers, cookies laying around. He's like, what in the world? He looks over. The doors to the car are open and the blinkers on, flashing. He's like... What is going on? So he pulls in, puts it, starts hollering, shut the water off, get out of the mud. Then he goes into the house, the door's open. It's a wreck inside, just like the outside. In his recliner, there's like a pile of sugar where somebody dumped the entire bag of sugar. The dog's chasing his tail in the middle of the the living room foam because he's been in the sugar, eating it. And he's like, Holy cow, he's walking up the steps, stepping over all of the clothes and the toys. He's worried that something happened to his wife. What's going on? The bedroom door shut. He opens the door. She's there under the covers, drinking coffee with the books. Well, hello, honey. Welcome home. How was your day? <laughs> he just looks at her and says, What is going on out here? She said, Well... You realize every day you come home and say, what in the world have you done all day? (laughs) Today, I didn't do it. (laughs) And the mothers say, amen. (laughs) It's on purpose. purpose. I heard it was just on purpose, so we're good. But anyway... (laughs) Um, so we, we salute you mothers for all that you do. 
and, um, and also as a word of, of kindness and, um, and sympathy today too and consideration um, as, as we talk about this lesson and as we study and we say these things um, also know that everybody has had different experiences in life and some may not have joyful memories some may have just recently lost a mother or lost a mother a while back and still yearn in their heart for him like I do. So we also want to be considerate of the feelings of everyone because we are the body of Christ. And we care and we love about everybody. And so we want to have feelings of compassion and consideration for everyone, don't we? Because we have great memories too, right? And so as, as we move forward, just remember that. And uh, this morning... I want to share with you a story about a, a divine home and a lady whose name most of you may not know. Uh, get there in a moment. First of all, as we open our Bibles, I want to tell you that the home, motherhood, is a divine design of God. In Genesis chapter 2, those of you who haven't been here on, on the Wednesdays as we've studied through this, boy, we spent I don't know how many weeks. It's been since September, I think, that we started in Genesis 1. And we will finish Genesis 3 in two weeks when we have our last one. So we've really been digging through here. But in Genesis 2, we found out something. We found out that the Lord God is a God of compassion and love that He wants to share his relationship with us. And so it says that he took the time to form man of the dust of the ground of this earth that he has created. And he formed man and then he did something very special. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And as, as man grew, the Lord God looked on him and he said, It is not good. For man to be alone. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man. Years later he shared that technique with us. So that we could put people out for operations. But the first operation was performed there by the Lord God. As he caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And he took a rib from him. And from that rib he manufactured it says. A woman for him. A helpmeet. And the Lord God brought the woman to the man. And when he did, Adam's eyes just lit up. And he said, this is bone of my bone. And this is flesh of my flesh. And for this cause shall a man and a woman leave father and mother. And they shall cleave to one another. And what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So the home, the family. And then the Lord God had said in chapter 1, that these would be fruitful and multiply and go forth. So the home, the marriage, and the family are divine designs and establishment of God for health and happiness and perseverance of mankind. And in that, we have provision to raise up a family. When it talks about that, he says you build the word there for manufacturing the woman was actually to build and to make a family. That's what it was that's what the word there means. It starts that family process. It's an establishment of God. And the Bible says in Psalm 
127 and verse 3, that behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And one mother who realized this promise and took it to heart is a woman named Jochebed. And Jochebed knew this promise that her children would be a heritage. How many people here... No, I don't want to show hands. Just I'm going to look at faces. How many people are going, hmm, Jochebed? Hmm, Jochebed. Who's Jochebed and Amram? Jochebed is the mother of Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. And I want to talk a little bit about her today because she's a godly mother. And a mother who realized what her charge was in life. And at the time we're introduced to them is Exodus chapter 1, if you had turned there and you want to just kind of follow along as I paraphrase these things. But in Exodus 1, we find that the world was not a good place where they were at. That Joseph had been shipped there by his brothers. He went through all kinds of turmoil. He was cast into prison. He stayed there for a long time. But then when the Pharaoh had a dream, he was able to interpret it. It worked out that persevere from the famine in the land and his family ended up coming and being able to settle in the land of Goshen there in Egypt he was put into number two position in the kingdom but where we're at now is as Genesis ended we find that he had passed on and Exodus begins later on and it says as Exodus begins that the new king was put into place here And it was a king who knew not Joseph. And all of a sudden, he didn't care about Joseph's lineage and family either. As he looked out there, all he saw was that they were multiplying. They were becoming a strong, powerful nation. And so he gets together with his rulers and they say, That is a threat to our kingdom and our rule, our safety. So what we need to do is to put all of them in labor. Have them to be our slaves. And they made them rigorously work and to build those things like the pyramids and stuff that we see today. He said, we're going to put them into this rigorous work and to keep them from multiplying like they are. We're going to allow the female babies to live. But we're not going to allow the males to live. And we're going to kill every male child from the Hebrew women that breaks the womb. And so as we are introduced to Amram and Jochebed, it's not a very good place. And we find out in Exodus 1 and 16 through 22 then that as that Pharaoh was putting this edict out, he called the midwives into him if you want to follow along. He called the midwives and he said, As you go and you see the Hebrew women call you and they are ready to bear their children and they're on their stool of birth, I want you to watch and as you deliver those children, we want you to put to death the boys and save the girls alive. That's bad news for us. (laughs) Us males, that would be bad news. But you know what it says? It says that those two midwives that he had called in says they feared God rather than men and they didn't listen to what the king said and so they went ahead and delivered all the babies and kept them alive and then as time went on a little bit the king and the people realized that they weren't doing what he had told them to do so he called them in 
And he said, why aren't you obeying what I told you to do? And they looked at him and they said, you know what? Our women aren't like your Egyptian women. We're strong. We're a lively bunch. Well, they, they have already had these babies before we get there. They're not weaklings like you. Well, I'm sure that that didn't set well with Pharaoh. But you know what it says? It says that because these women feared God rather than men and rather than what the king had told them to do, it says that God looked on them with favor. And God gave to them households. In other words, Abraham, what did we study last week in faith rest? Cast your cares on me. I will take everything and work them together for good. So that's what they did. They said, I'm going to trust God in this rather than them. And I'm going to do what God said. And God blesses a godly nation. So these women, their homes were established because of their faith. And so now what the Pharaoh says, we can't trust them to do what we told them to do. So it says there, chapter ends, that he instructed all of his people, that would be soldiers and the, the regular folks, to if you see a Hebrew baby that's a boy, you throw it in the river. We're going to bring a baby out of the river here in a minute that's going to change the whole world. But he said, you throw them in the river. How would you like to live in a society like that? Let's pray that our society in America always remains a godly society and that we don't have to put up with something like this. But the next thing you know, we, we get over to chapter 2 then. And we find that there's a godly woman named Jochebed. Oh, you won't see her name there, but if you turn over to chapter 6, it'll give a lineage and it'll say, Amram is of the tribe of Levi, and he took Jochebed for his wife, and she bare Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. So we know who she was. The Lord put her name in there. And she was a godly woman who knew that what Psalm 127 would say, that your children are a heritage and a reward from the Lord. And it says that she gave birth to a baby boy. And the moment she looked upon that baby boy, it says that she saw that he was a beautiful child. That's what the word says in the original. It's tov. And it means beautiful. And he was a beautiful baby. And he was special. And she said, there's no way I'm going to let anything happen to this baby. She feared God rather than men. And this is going to be a heritage unto the Lord. And she put that faith into trust and rest in God to take care of it. And she hid that baby out in the home. And it says she nursed it. And she nurtured it for three months. But then it came to be a time when she got afraid that the neighbors... The ones that the Pharaoh had said, if you see a baby boy, you take him out. She thought, it's that time to where I can't hide him no longer that somebody's going to figure out that this is a boy and not a girl. And so she said, I'm going to cast my cares upon you, Lord. I'm going to put it in your hands and you can take everything. Although we're not in a good situation right here, your word says that you can make everything work out together. For my good. And I am placing this baby into your hands. And her and Miriam went out. And it says that in the bulrushes. They cut those tall papyrus reeds. And there was some slime there. That has a little bit of pitch mixed in with it on the banks. And they formed an ark. 
a chest. Yeah, the same kind of word that was used for Noah. And they built a little ark of deliverance for that baby. And if I crack up during this, it's because I had a mother that, that felt this same way. So just prefacing things, okay? That mother looked at the face of her baby. And I'm sure with tears, she laid it into that ark and covered him up. And it says she drifted it right there next to the shore. And she went off and she told Miriam to stand afar off and watch what would happen. Well, the next thing you know as they're watching, Pharaoh's daughter comes walking by. The Egyptians, you'll study in, in history, were the cleanest of people. They took maybe two, three baths a day. They were a very clean society. And that's why you see all the men with, with like the shaved heads too and stuff, the different things. Very clean cleanliness. She's down taking a bath. I almost titled this one, The Baby in the Bathtub. Because Moses is in her bathtub. She goes down to take a bath at the Nile River with some of her, her uh, people that are her servants, her maidens. And as she's walking, she sees something funny in her bathtub. And she told him, go and fetch that for me and let's see what it is before we go over there. And they brought it back to her. And she opened up the basket and there was a baby boy. And I wondered this week as I thought about this, if the Lord might have maybe pinched him about right now, little baby Moses. We don't know him as Moses yet. That's going to be in a moment. She will name him. But it says the baby began to cry. And you know what breaks a compassionate woman's heart more than anything? To see a baby cry, isn't it? She held that and looked at it, and the baby began to cry. And it says that she had compassion in her heart for that baby. And about that time, Miriam comes strolling by and goes, evidently intervenes and asks what's happened. She said, well, miss, would you like then for me to get one of the Hebrew women who are, uh, have had a baby and can nurse this for you and to help you out? She says, go. Yes, go and find me a Hebrew woman who will be able to nurse this child for me. And so she went and she got her mother, Jochebed. And when Jochebed shows up, Pharaoh's daughter has no idea that she's handing this baby back to its original mother. But she says this, I want you to see how the Lord God protects and preserves a godly family who puts everything in his hands and trusts in him no matter how desperate and dire and tears are in the situation. You've placed it into God's hands. God places it into Pharaoh's daughter's hands and she now places it back to you and says, take this baby and nurse it for me until he is weaned, and then bring him back to me, and he will be my adopted son. And I'm going to top that. I'm going to pay you wages for raising that baby for me. I am able to do exceedingly, 
abundantly above all that you could ask or think. You go ahead and try me with your prayers and see what I can do for you. The word of the Pharaoh says, kill all of the baby boys, throw them in the river. The daughter of Pharaoh finds a baby in the river and says, it will live. And places it back in its original home and gives her money to raise it to boot. That is the God we serve. Hebrew babies did a little study. They're not weaned until they're three to four or so years of age. So I am sure that Jacobed held on to this young'un as long as she could. I'm sure that she held on to him until he was four years old or so. And during that time, you know what a godly mother did? Taught that baby some things that he needed to know. Taught that baby that you're really a Hebrew. You're not an Egyptian. Taught that baby that there is a God in heaven. I'm going to be turning you over to these Egyptians to raise you so that you will live. Because you're going to be a heritage for the Lord God. But as you do, remember Him and don't look to their gods to serve them. I want you to know who the true God is. She gave him his heritage, his lineage, and told him, when the Lord God formed you in the womb and made you, and when you breathed, it was his breath of life, that glory that gave you life, and that is eternal. The breath of life that's in each one of us is eternal, and eternal life. And she said, don't be looking at the pleasures of this earth and the things that you will see in the palace to persuade you to serve them because of the enjoyment and the riches that will be there. But you look beyond to Him who is invisible, to Him who one day will take you and bring you into eternity. And there is nothing that can be compared to that, Moshe, nothing. She raised him with those and trained him up, as it says in the book of Proverbs, that if you train up a child in the way it will go, should go, it will not depart from it. And most of us think, well, why are they departing? Well, that word train is very important. Did you train, train? An athlete trains. It doesn't sit on the couch every day. An athlete has to train for its event. You train daily a child in the way it should go. And when it is owed, what the word actually means is those things will not depart from him. They will be in his mind and in his memory. So you train up the child in the way that they should go. And then... Man, the Bible is so quick to to fast forward. We go from verse 10 that they're bringing the child to verse 11, the, the day that Moses has grown. But they take the baby back to the daughter of Pharaoh. And she takes the baby and adopts him and brings him into the king's palace and she names him Moshe. We've changed it to Moses in our Anglicized form. But Moshe means to draw out from. So she said, because I drew him out of the water, I will name him Moshe. And fast forward from that point, the next verse talks about when he was a grown man. And you know how I know that Jochebed trained up her child and taught these things to that child? Because what's the next verse say when he's grown? 
he went to go look upon the afflictions of his brethren. How else would he have known who his brethren was and about their afflictions and what needed unless he had that trained into him and instilled into him. And then after that time lapse, it says he went out there that day and he saw an Egyptian, one of his adopted kindred, beating on a Hebrew. And it says he looked this way and he looked that way and he didn't think anyone was watching him. So he hit that guy and he he killed that Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. And then the next day when one of the Hebrews said, when he tried to break up their fight, they said, who made you the ruler over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And he realized somebody had been watching and he hightailed it out of there thinking that some bad news was going to come. But God began preparing this man in that 40 years in Midian, and as he served there, so that he could come back to bring the people out. And the Lord was with him. And what happened is, is that we, we're going to skip forward too. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. And if you're following along in your own Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Because now we come to the commentary on everything that I just told you about. About Moses and about Jacobed, and about this training, and what she had taught him to do while he was in the king's palace. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, it starts out by faith. Well, since almost every one of these verses start out by faith, we need to know what faith really is, don't we? It says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, For us to have faith, we have to have heard it taught. And then we read it and study it and build upon that of what we've been taught. So that then it becomes real to us. And we believe those things. And that turns into faith. So then what we can really say is, is that by faith, Moses had been taught these things by his mother. And he believed those things so that by faith... In verse 23, in the word of God, that you are a heritage, Moses, to your Lord God. By faith, when he is born, his parents, it says, hid him those three months. They risked their life and limb to hide that boy because they believed in the word of God and they turned it over to the providence of God to raise this boy. They feared not the king's command to kill him. Verse 24 The commentary on what took place. By faith, Moses had been taught by his parents and believed this heritage. And he refused then, as he was grown, and we've seen in that next verse, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, an Egyptian, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, rather, by faith, he chose to to suffer affliction. With the people of God rather than enjoying the passing enjoyment and pleasures of sin for a season. You see why we were saying what he had been taught? Because he knew better. And he knew that there was something out there. And I don't need to stay in the riches of this castle and lose my soul. Verse 26, Moses chose by what he had been taught by his mama and God's word that he esteemed. And that word for esteemed means to place as your highest 
factor of thinking and learning. And it also means to be a leader. You become then esteemed in the community and the society. So he became esteemed through faith as a leader of the rest of the people. And it says he esteemed that to suffer the reproach of Jesus Christ for 40 years in the wilderness leading a rebellious, stiff-necked group of people, he chose that rather than the enjoyment of the king's palace and being a ruler in the land of ease. It says in verse 27 that by faith he believed that he should forsake Egypt, fearing, uh, not fearing the wrath of the king because he looked past the present to the future. And he knew him who was invisible and that his faith was relying upon was more real to him than what he could see there in that palace in Egypt. Verse 28, by faith he kept God's word. And when God told him to do the first Passover and put blood on the doorpost and my angel of death will pass over your door while it goes and strikes all of the Egyptians, by faith he did that. And they were saved. The angel of death spared all of those who believe. That's worship. When we worship and praise God in the design and the manner that His Word commands us to do, then He is pleased with what we do. And Moses knew that. So that, verse 29, by faith, he was also able to pass all two million of the children of Egypt through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. That's the God we serve when we serve Him through faith in what He has taught us. He left the palace and the riches of Egypt. You know what that is? That's this world. That's all of the things of this world that calls us to enjoyment and pleasure and promises instead of looking past this to what is eternal. He said, I am leaving these things to serve the living God. All that was done by faith, instilled in a young lad whose mother believed the word of God, placed her trust and care in him to take care of things, and said, my children are a heritage unto the Lord. And she gave that to God, and that reward came back in a mighty way. And Moses provided a great heritage for his mother, his father, and his nation. Now, the other thing that he learned was that every life is an eternal soul. Don't look to the present. Look to him who's invisible. The joys and the riches of this life, folks, cannot compare to that which is eternal and what we're going to have in the heavenly realm. The foundation of this truth and godliness and eternal life, Jesus said it best in Matthew 16, up there in verse 26, it says this, What would it profit for a man if he would gain the entire world and he lost his own soul? And in other words, he put it like this, What are you willing to give in exchange for your soul. Because if you are not following after God and His Word and walking by faith in His way and you are doing something else in this life, 
You, in effect, Jesus said, are exchanging those things. You're exchanging enjoyment in this life for what is in the next life. What are you willing to give in exchange for your eternal soul? So we teach our children and we teach each other and we teach those who are without these things. There is eternity, eternal life and eternal damnation. What are you willing to give in exchange for your soul? Or are you going to keep it and have eternal life? I pray that all of us with our kids with our grandkids, with everyone that we meet, that we will raise up, train up the next generation of Moseses, Aaron's, and Miriam's in the way of the Lord, teaching them these foundational principles is that you have eternal life. This world promises you riches like the palace of Egypt, but you have to look past those things to Him who is invisible. And as our worship team returns, and we close this out, Matthew 28 and Mark 16, and Andy, if you would, go up and bring the classrooms down. Jesus gave us a charge, not only as parents, but also as Christians. Matthew 28 and Mark 16 both say about the same thing, and they're going to be on the screens for us. In Mark, he says, Go into all the world. That includes mothers and fathers in the home. Preach the gospel to every creature. Those who believe in Christ as the Son of God. And then take that step of faith in doing what I'm telling you to do now, he says. And they are baptized that represents that faith. And my death, burial, and resurrection to a new life. That's what you are committing to. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. But those who will not believe will be damned. So go therefore, he said in Matthew 28. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then you teach them. That's been the focus of our lesson this morning as parents, isn't it? Teaching, admonishing, training up. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he says, I'll leave you with a promise if you do. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of this age. Amen. If you have not been following those examples that we've talked about or you didn't know about them, today's the day we start doing it then. You put it in place now. It's never too late. We start doing those things now. If you need your faith or if you need to just change and do it, that's today. Let's encourage each other in this life to do this. To be a Jochebed and an Amran. And fear not the things of this world. But train up our children and remember. And remind this nation that our children are a heritage and a reward. They are a gift from God. And they needed to be trained up that way. Let's pray.
Father, we, we are so thankful for your word and the examples that you give to us in it about life and godliness. And Father, thank you for, for your divine design of a family and mothers and fathers and, and children and brothers and sisters. And then that this thing that you have bought and paid for with your blood that's called the church, the ecclesia, the church, the word means those who are called out. And just like Moses knew from faith that he was called out of the world and called out of Egypt to serve you and to suffer for Christ, that that's what all of us who are here today are. We have been called from the world to walk and to serve you. So, Father, thank you for your design. We thank you for your promises that when we commit these things to you, that you are faithful and just to handle them for us. And Father, be with us as we desire and we strive to be the best parent, grandparent, son, daughter, brother and sister in Christ that we can. And we praise you for your grace and mercy and patience while you're waiting on us to be those things. In Jesus' name, amen.